Oh, by the way, I got yeah. a message from a listener on Instagram. Oh. oh. And they sent me a voice message. Okay. Uh, Parker. I was okay. like, what the what is this? Um, I've never gotten a voice message on Instagram. I wouldn't even know what to do with it. I mean, it's kind of just like WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that woman, Sad. Nora, had mess- called me on WhatsApp, and I honestly had, yeah. that was the first time I'd ever gotten a call on WhatsApp. I'm and like, I was like, oh my God, I'm an old lady. <laughs> we should still talk. We should definitely have her on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that'd be great. And the, the listener voicemail said, uh, yeah, so Parker said, hey, this is just a little note on the most recent episode because typing is hard. I hope you're having a lovely day. Um, can I play it for you? Uh, sure. Okay. Into that episode about Renaissance versus Moreau. And I think one thing that you guys mm-hmm. might be missing, not for anyone here, but of, of like, a, like a gap in time because um, I went to high school and I was working at was being silly and pretty and so goofy and so for the royals and renaissance was like so serious and so deep and so like progressing the world of art and so i think when something feels significant to somebody they're more likely also to call it renaissance for that reason um and i just i'm making pita and that's all i've been able to think about the entire time um yeah anyway thanks so much love the podcast beautiful oh so she said she said that is great uh, they so they, it, them. Oh, they, they, they. Easy day. Uh, easy day, yeah. So mm-hmm. Parker said that, I was just trying to hear it. So Parker said that no, in quiet, education, sorry. they learned Renaissance was serious and Baroque was funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, that Isn't is interesting. Wow. All right, let's start the podcast and start with that. And then talk yeah. about the British Museum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you ask Daddy to come up? Yeah, please. No, no, no. Come on, fast. This is fast. We have to, we're doing these shorter podcasts now. These podcasts are shorter now. Yeah, there. Fast. There. See, funny. I uploaded that last episode where I was like, we're going to be doing shorter form stuff in the caption, and it was still an hour long. <laughs> Oh man. No, no, we're not gonna be that way. Alright, friend, enough signs in the kitchen. Podcast starts. Welcome to the Artless Podcast, where we make art accessible. I'm Seema. And I'm Sophie. And you know what, Sophie? I always wonder how can people support us? How can people support us? Well, you could be like Parker and you could send us a voice message that kind of helps us keep the conversation rolling. You could also mm-hmm. go onto our Patreon uh, where you can choose any tier you like that i have lovingly crafted with beautiful puns uh and you can get extra content you can just like show your support that way you can send us an email send it send the podcast to a friend you know there are so many things that you can do you can just mention something you learned to somebody at work you could follow us on spotify you could double follow us spotify and apple podcast it doesn't hurt and if you're a university student about to go into your fall or you know spring semester wherever you are in the world if you're about to start writing papers you can reference us we would love that i would love oh to my god somebody said that <laughs> oh my god somebody told me that they they used our podcast in a class and i said i hope to god that class was taught by somebody i went to grad school with because there would be nothing funnier than them being like jesus seema <laughs> 
I love all my grad school friends, so I think it'd be really funny. I think so too. <laughs> Yeah. All I really want is for like either one of my silly little TikToks or like this podcast to just come back around and one of my academic professors from my grad program is like, what the fuck, dude? I can't <laughs> escape you. Well, like you're back again and we haven't even heard from you in years. And I'll be like, I know, but I'm out here doing more work than most of you. Influencing true, young. true. <laughs> I do have a dream. I'm not of the generation where somebody my own age would likely be scrolling on TikTok. Maybe they'd be on Twitter or on mm-hmm. Instagram. But like it would be I I hope that some of those fools that I knew in college so, like see my face and are like, is that a girl? <laughs> I actually had that experience yesterday. I went into oh, an organic yeah? store or I went to uh-huh. Ceres Environmental Community Garden and Park, which is like a very lovely part of uh, the north of Melbourne mm-hmm. or like the inner northern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, uh-huh. It's just like a really beautiful uh, community park where there's like chickens mm. and there's like community spots where children learn to grow veggies mm. and things. Mm. Um and I, I went to the grocery store section to buy some honey because I'm wanting to, like, mm-hmm. take nice things back with me. Yeah. Um, And I ran into someone I worked with six years ago at an organic store. Uh, I, oh, I remember you talking about the store. Oh, God, the terrible store. Uh, but, like, I've worked in, like, a lot of, like, kind of, uh, I would say, like, I Melbourne uh, stores. For anyone from Melbourne who's listening, I used to work at Dejour Jeans, I used to work at Organic Whole Foods, I used to work at Beacon Lighting. Um, not that Beacon Lighting is as iconic, but uh, it was really funny. I walked up to the counter with my little jar of honey and we both cut, you know that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other? We were both like, that's you! I I I have not had that really. Really? I have not run into no. I would. That's where it came from because no. I said, I'm, "I'm." Somebody was saying. Somebody I know was saying that that has happened to them, and I was like, "I don't think I've really ever had that." I mean, I've run into people like I haven't seen in a while, but it isn't like yeah. we've run into each other before. But it's not like like totally out of. I've not been in like a foreign country and run into something. My dad's. I've definitely had it be around. Been around people that it's, have seen that happen to them, but not I. Um, I guess it's something to look forward to. And I wonder if it's also because like. Your face is in the media and on things and out there. I don't know. I don't think so. I definitely do still get people who are like, are you that girl? Um, but <laughs> not people I actually know. Do you know what I mean? Like, Rude. Not people <laughs> like I'm like, you know, not somebody where like, I'm like, did we go to college together? You know, like that. I don't have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, to really segue, I can't think of a good segue. I'm trying to think of a good segue. Ooh. Oh, here. I can think of a good segue. Today's topic will oh, really, be this people. Is like the we one time you were stumped. I was stumped because today's topic is something that is truly stumping: the theft oh, at the British God. Museum. And I do assure you that I know lots of museum pros, um, and I have not run into them. But in the future, I might. So maybe that's the segue. But before we talk about that, I want to go back to um, a listener note. Taylor sent us a very useful voicemail. I want to bring up. So, what did Taylor say, Sophie? Oh, in the Renaissance and... Yeah, summarize it. (laughs) Well, you kind of did before. Uh, Parker essentially uh, Oh, not Taylor, Parker, sorry. 
I think that's why I was momentarily confused. I also haven't had yes. coffee yet. I'm coming in raw today, gang. Uh, raw dog in uh, this episode. She really <laughs> loves you all. Loves you. They really love you. That's what we're saying. I do. I do. Um, so Parker essentially said that uh, in art school, uh, or like in school, the training that they received uh, had the association that Renaissance was like very uh, serious and like very related to, I would say, kind of like high art in many ways. And fine art, and then the Baroque kind of had this air of silliness to it, which I find so fascinating. I I gotta say, it astonishes me because it makes me think perhaps your professors had some problems. It is, in fact, untrue. Like, it is so deeply untrue. Yes, Renaissance, I think that what happened, like, these professors, like, who are they? Paul, let me, I wanna call their asses up because they're wrong. Um, what I actually. <laughs> They're just so wrong. Dream, so I dream what your opinion was going to be. They're wrong. No, okay. This is what I mean. I think that they are right about the Renaissance. So Renaissance, part of the thing they're doing is like they decided to read Vasari, who is the writer of the Renaissance, who basically created a lot of the myths of the Renaissance. He was a failed painter, but successful art historian and uh, of the Renaissance. And he really wanted to make Renaissance seem kind of heroic. You know, it's like, Joseph, yeah. if Joseph Campbell was writing an art history book. And so I I think that this idea, and actually what I what really is, is that there was in some ways no market for frivolity in the Renaissance because there wasn't as everything cost more, right? The production cost more. So so there was no chance for frivolity, but you know, uh that's when you see like the frivolity in the Renaissance, a lot of the frivolity is what we call medieval manuscripts but they're actually largely renaissance so like all of the marginalia a lot of the ones that we think are the funniest like cats roasting rabbits and snails jousting uh knights those are actually renaissance um yeah 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 a lot of those are renaissance so the frivolity is often there and so so that's one thing so that that, like it's a sort of a misnomer it is um but like that's sort of a misnomer anyway. And, you know, like it's because all these eras kind of overlap. Then, so that's one thing. The other thing I think is that the reason that we think of Renaissance as serious is because we still are humanists. Yeah. Right. Like I was doing a video about Le Corbusier and how he did all of the basically he and many other uh, industrial designers and architects wanted buildings to be of a specific kind of human scale. In that case, they meant men. Um, but that idea <laughs> that buildings are on human scale is a humanist ideal. And so for us, that is important and serious. And so mm. we take that and we keep it. It's because we perceive ourselves to be from a tradition of the Renaissance. Yeah. So there's two, that's two misconceptions of Renaissance. But the bigger thing about Baroque is what they're, what they're bringing up is only a small portion of Baroque art. And a lot of it is like Protestant Baroque art. Yes. There was a lot of humor in Protestant Baroque art because they couldn't, these people all of a sudden had no cat, they had no religion to connect to. Yeah. So it's an incredibly like Protestant and Anglo um, uh, sensibility about baroque and you know the seriousness of baroque we were talking about yesterday and what you know art what you know what we were talking about also so those are the last things the the last problem i have with it is that we are we were talking about it in terms of the meat the 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 composition of the artwork 
the Agreed. style of it. And I think a Agreed. lot of times when they tell stories of art, they're doing something other than actually looking at the art, right? Like, like art historians are like, oh, but also there's something to look at. This is also right? like, like if you look English at it, it is though. different. Yeah, yes. I feel like this is also like English teachers and just like people who work in academic spaces who try to extract like something out of there that's like what But what is the mean here? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I remember I had an English teacher in like grade 10 who just tried to bring so much, so much extra shit to like the reading of yes. a text that just didn't yes. feel necessary. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I get that. It's crazy, right? Like, it's like, why do we need to look at the Renaissance art and Baroque art? Like, it doesn't look Baroque. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it doesn't look Renaissance. It looks Baroque. Because yeah. what and what the reason it bothers me is because it actually assigns incorrect knowledge. It's, it's incorrect about the Renaissance. But then it also puts people in a position where they're not seeing these things wholly. You know, mm. like, mm-hmm. like they're just they're missing they're they're just they're trying to these teachers are trying to like assign the incorrect knowledge in some ways yeah also my final issue with it is i have always had this issue i had a lot so i'm sorry about this parker uh i think parker had a great point it's not what parker said but it's my feelings towards it i'm glad you you commented parker um but uh you know they were saying about like it's like humorous or funny or there was some phrase I can't remember now exactly what the phrase was and one thing that is a real problem about art historians and historians is that things that are humorous are not seen as also serious humor is hard work and serious right like to do something comic is hard and important humor is an important and valuable part uh, so, like, if you're saying that this isn't as important because it's humorous, that's also problematic. Um, mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Uh, let's see, we're all riled up and we're going to make it worse. Well, now let's make it worse. So, today's episode <laughs> is about the theft of the British Museum. Sophie, what happened at the British Museum? Uh, a very senior curator. I don't remember his name. Peter uh, Higgs. I knew you would, though. A very senior curator at the British Museum was caught red-handed, I guess, uh, pawning pieces from the British Museum on eBay. <laughs> a mess. What a mess. And then you know what? Somebody today, there's a person so I've... cooked. Like... It's so nuts. There's so much so nuts here. So arrogant. It's so arrogant. So so oh. the thing that I realized after I made, I didn't did do a video about it, but the thing I realized after I did it, because I then dug down, and I, I, I don't, Hellenistic art, like, I could kind of care less. I'm sorry for all ancient specialists out there. But, like, you know, um, it's just not my thing that's going to, like, make me the most excited. So I don't always read articles, but I've read, there, uh, Peter Higgs, did, Higgs does have, did have I looked back to see like citations and I have read some things mm-hmm. um by by him he actually and he has a traveling show right now do you know like how much authority you have to have to 
to travel artworks around the world. Like it's pretty Very insane. Much. So um and he he has somebody pointed out, I had said he probably you know, like most people who go into museum work have loans. She said Peter Hicks is in his 50s, so he might have actually had it all covered, but then you still have the time and money, right? He's in his he's 55, 56. So she said at that age, you still could have had even your postdoc covered. There wouldn't have been fees, which I think is extraordinary. God bless. Uh, I'm almost positive Cambridge educated. They've cleared, he's cleared his CV, so it's hard to find it, but um, I didn't want to dig too deeply. But to, so what I didn't realize is, and I think this is important because something that is hard to, there's a lot of this that is hard to understand. So what I realized was I thought that it was, so there's so many collections in any institution. Most institutions yeah. have multiple collections. And actually, and when you look at a website. Greek collections, correct? So he was, uh, yeah, he was he was the senior curator of the Mediterranean specializing in Greek and Roman. But it, that's not what I mean. So there's actually more than that. So what happens is that museums have, like, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. It's almost like if you have food in your fridge and then food in your pantry, and then you have these secret snacks you keep in a drawer. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So the food in the fridge is your permanent collection. Okay. Some of that you take out and you eat or you serve to friends. That's what's on view. The stuff inside the fridge is the stuff that could go on view. Yes. Right? Yes. Then I love this um, analogy. This is this is coming to me. Let's hope it pans out. I didn't think it out beforehand. But <laughs> so every collection has every institution, every museum has a permanent collection. That is a given. And that's what it is. Mm. Uh, to put something on view, it almost always has to be part of the permanent collection. Um, mm. There are times that you would take something out of, and then the stuff in the pantry, we can call it the research collection or the educational collection. <laughs> now, that does not mean that you can't research the stuff in the fridge, your permanent collection, anything that's in storage, you could still research it. But then you have this other cache called an education collection or a research collection. And that is particularly true of institutions that have a university connection mm -hmm. because then that is stuff that is specifically for researchers. And like, yeah. there's a lot of, collect and then you know, like um, American Museum of Natural History uh, in um, D New York has a huge research collection. Um, sometimes it's also stuff that's used for community engagement. So like, um, Virginia Museum of Fine Arts and Cleveland Museum of Art have education collections. These are specifically for use to educate. Yeah, now, yeah. these objects, if you are from a very good institution like the British Museum or the one that I, you know, like the one that I once worked at, the Cleveland Museum of Art, the stuff in your education collection is still very good. Yeah. Now, I don't know about the British Museum because I like haven't like dug down into their galleries and their labels, but good enough that maybe for a special purpose for an exhibition they might even be shown yeah right um yeah. and they certainly for a lesser institution like i have definitely walked into institutions and walked in and been like oh that's not even as good as the one that the cleveland museum of art had in the education collection mm -hmm. so like that could be true right so then there's that and then finally the thing that is hard and this is what i don't understand exactly both of those collections, by the rules of your institution and your like being agreed to by your board of directors and blah, 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 everything there has to be cataloged. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. So this is where I think we've, I think this is his loophole. 
everything has to be cataloged, but things can come into the education collection and be like take a long time to be cataloged and in institutions of like you know um so that's like 250 300 years old institutions they often have a backlog of cataloging okay so i think that what happened was so the one thing that could be is that there the the backlog of cataloging is the snacks in your drawer that any institution could have historic backlog of cataloging okay Right. So that could be where this is coming from. So that's one thing. The other thing that could just be is that the cataloging of the research collection at the British Museum might not be fully vetted. Like they might not fully catalog, they might not fully digitize it. They might not fully check everything. That's crazy. I mean, it seems pretty crazy to me. So, the, so it like, could it be seems that. Like there's right? a, like a due diligence loophole. <laughs> There is a due diligence loop. It seems sort of yeah. insane to me um, yes. because like it would make me nuts. Um, but I mean, like this could be like there. I mean, I when I was consulting, I talked to museums that are like, we're still working through these crazy boxes that donor gave us to us 100 years ago. It doesn't. So it also, could like, be it that kind of thing. me that like a stuffy, very old, uptight institution that like this that has like a an opinion of itself in many ways and the people oh who work God. there have opinions of themselves as well like i'm not surprised that they might have like an archaic kind of cataloging system yeah. don't that... change us don't yeah. change us dude yeah. like we know what we're yeah. doing so but the thing Where, to the me British Museum. well okay. and that's like i mean this to me the what pisses me off the most is that oh, so like uh, what what really pisses me off the most is that they hold themselves so many institutions hold themselves up as better than us well, and then what you what are you doing like randomly selling stuff on ebay <laughs> and like i was talking about this with joe today and, and you know joe was saying like <laughs> but like but then i think the other thing that that the thing that i didn't talk that i think we that that this brings up though is that actually museums and collectors are part of the same culture of desire. Because he was like, oh. who wants that junk? And I was yeah, like, who? I think Yahoo collectors want that junk as much as the British Museum want that junk. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Right? So like, what? who's buying these little pieces of, like, they're not, I mean, I don't know, because they don't show everything. But they they can't be stuff that are, that, like, the museum would have noticed and wanted to put on view. No. So how much was he selling them for? Do we know? Well, this is so according to some news article, it was worth fifty k in pound, fifty fifty thousand pounds overall is what they think. So then somebody else asked me, which I think is, how much do you think the average salary in London for a senior curator is? I saw that in your comment section. It's about it's, it's around fifty k, right? Yeah, yeah, fifty two k, fifty two k. So what, you just wanted to take a year off work? It doesn't even seem worth it. Well, I think it's not. I think, I honestly think um, it was that he thought he could get away with it. I think a lot of people who go into that kind of work think they're smarter than people. Agreed. And he thought he would never know. Nobody would ever know. But the thing to me that makes me sad he is somebody- been arrested, right? No, he hasn't. And even worse, his family is, I don't know what who what his lawyer is thinking, but his son he, is out there saying nothing was even stolen. I saw he that. obviously didn't do that. that. And I was like, do you Did know? the same like, Guardian article as me? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But like, do you even know? Like, do you know that you should be quiet, dude? 
Let's like, just stay you, silent. You such silent. Like, are you all so self-satisfied that you think you can, like, uh, it's just beyond me. It's actually, the only impressive thing about it is the level of arrogance. Like, I'm actually, it's I'm flabbergasted. It, it's, I wish it shocked me. I don't know. It shocked me and it didn't shock me. I wish it shocked me that the British really? Museum covered it up. I, or, I know. you know, like, like, because when it first happened, my husband said, oh, it was probably some junior, like, person who was never, like, this curatorial assistant who had been, like, he, like, had some poetic dreams. And then he was like, ah, yeah. oh, that jerk should go to jail. <laughs> I thought how Joe started off as, like, maybe for the people. Yeah, uh, not for the people. Well, no. so I was struck by, and speaking of that, I was struck by how many comments on my video were people saying, maybe it was Robin Hood. I was hoping it was Robin Hood. And I think for so many people, museums are just like so out of step with what they understand. They really believe that a museum pro would be like, I'm going to steal it for the people. Like that is the least. But also like, that's just like a fucking liberal fantasy. Yeah, but it's the like least liberals likely looking for thing. someone else to bail out yeah. like the situation. Yeah. But like if you met museum pros, that is the least likely, yeah. like least likely solution. Can you, I mean, here. Perfect timing. Oh. I have a question for you. <laughs> Come here, though. Come here. Come here. Come here. Can you imagine a museum pro stealing art from the British Museum so that they could give it back to the orig original people? No. Can you imagine a museum curator doing that? No, no, not at all. I guess what initially so I was hoping there was somebody lower on the totem pole we don't who, sit that oh we don't lower in the hierarchy uh in the mm -hmm. hierarchy that needed to maybe get back at the institution <laughs> or something like that but <laughs> when you found out who or what the position of that person was it made complete sense yeah. i just cannot imagine the, the amount of I anybody think... who's gone most people who go through that trouble if they're gonna go bad they're not gonna go bad to become robin hood that is just not likely <laughs> Right? Can you imagine there's no Robin Hoods amongst museum staff? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to make that broad of a statement. However, I do think that um, I think it would be very interesting to create like a spreadsheet of all the kind of crimes that museum oh professionals God, commit. Yeah. Oh, and their positions. And, but like like all the, all the um, curators that have bought stolen art knowingly, yeah. You know, or that director who purposely put those fake Basquiat's up to True. sell to make money. All the got all the people, Whoa. men and women, but they all feel like they're smarter than the rest of us because they True. did well in art history. It does yeah. feel like why you know? should people the thing that's very sad is and then there's a person, I don't know the person in real life, but it's um some scholar maybe, uh, Melissa Terrace, who's in the UK, but she um said on Twitter I saw there was a Guardian article about how, and somebody actually mentioned it, the vast majority of mu museum thefts are by staff. And I wouldn't agree with that. Um, because having experienced theft, it's most often not museum staff. Um, <laughs> it is often, and a lot of the thefts in museums are often not even like grand um, heists. They're one visitor randomly taking something when the guards aren't looking. A crime yeah, of opportunity. yeah, they're crimes of opportunity. Yeah. So I've and I've definitely seen it. 
I mean, my whole career, everyone has heard a story. Everyone's been, you know, in a situation like that. And that I don't think it's generally museum staff. The thing that people don't understand, though, is the people who are doing bad things are the people at the top. Yeah, there are hundreds, thousands of museum pros every day who have access to millions of dollars. Think of just the Smithsonian alone. Our own federal collection has hundreds of people who care for it. And not a single one of them would ever do anything. Like, I have to tell you, I have never even, like, when, because, you know, there's only cameras usually at doors and stuff. So, like, it's mm -hmm. kind of honor, you know, like, honor yeah. policy yeah. or whatever. I haven't even touched an artwork without gloves. Like, <laughs> would you ever? Yeah. I just I um, know <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, I think also, um, at least in my experience when I worked at a museum, is that they are very top down in mm -hmm. terms of security and um, uh, almost punishment. You know, like you're, the yeah. lower you go, the more re you're held responsible for Yeah, your that's huge. That's why this guy yeah. got away with it, right? Yeah, because, like, and why he, he was he a senior curator. Yeah. yeah, because he's not some art handler. They don't. Yeah. They trust him. Yeah. He was yeah. really relying, no, no, relying on the fact that like no one was really going to hold him accountable. Like that's right. It's mm -hmm. crazy. The the idea that you would use the same eBay handle as your Twitter handle that had your name on that it. That is fucking crazy. That is like. Just, do you like, think the whole world is dumb? Delicious. That is just like deliciously know, stupid. But I just think it's because. <laughs> but it's not the thing for us is we heard that and we're like, oh, that checks. That yeah. seems about right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure he can read archaic Greek, but oh. something like, you know, it's but somehow or another, that doesn't make you smart in all domains. And I think no. that is the great fallacy. And uh, I, I just I, I do have to say the only poetic what? justice I can imagine is he's mounted shows. And I just imagine that he has treated some poor art handler badly, some graphic designer who's laying in a label, somebody who, you know, wa wiping a floor. He has treated people bad. A person like this has treated junior staff badly. And I 100%. hope, hope, hope all of them when this came out was like, dude, like they're all messaging each other. He got it. <laughs> It's like he's got it right. Fuck yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> I hope. I will say this. Um, uh, Alice Proctor, who's that writer, was like DMs open, BM staff. That's so funny. Um, I just, it's it's just unfathomable to me. Like I can't. And like for fifty k, like it's. It is. You know, it's I think it? is. It cannot have been worth it. I mean, because if you think about it, like I can't imagine, I don't think I'll have another museum job and I didn't even do anything but leave the field. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. this guy did something that he's... is like in every newspaper in the country. He's blown up like, do you think like globally. He's, he's like blown up his entire life. Yeah. And like, where? I mean, I you know, being able to read Hellenistic Greek cannot be a boom industry. Hey, here's a or question. Theory. Does he hate his life? Do you just want to blow up his life? Oh, do you think? I don't know. Do you think I mean, he quite life li curators are all living a life of quiet misery? Of quiet desperation. That's that's why they terrorize the poor label <laughs> editors. Maybe. <laughs> oh heavens. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know what I honestly I think that I think that um I actually think he did not imagine his life would blow up. I think he could no. not fathom a moment like this 
And I don't think he, Radica and I song. honestly, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think like, truthfully, the British Museum, they perceive themselves tenured, like almost, he almost thought himself as tenured into a kind of culture that would never, ever turn on him. I honestly think he thought even if he did it and he got caught, he'd get a slap on the wrist. Well, I what tell us, um, tell us. I forget. Uh, it slipped my mind, but I, I honestly think that um, who knows? I don't know. It's not a shock. that yeah. it's that level, and I think that um, it might have been even a private game for him. Oh yeah, it could have been like a game. Like I got away with it. I mean, I do think like, I mean, I think about, I always think about, there used to be a door. Um, it, when I was at the Cleveland Museum of Art, you could walk like a certain way or you could walk another way. And there was a door that said like, do not enter. It was because the building had changed. It's so cool. it was a do not enter door when that was like outside space, but then there was inside, you know, like it was one of those things, like it actually didn't matter if you entered the door or not. And I mm -hmm. never entered the door because it said do not enter and I was with somebody from work who pushed the door open we went down and it was a short it was a cut short, it was a cut through you know and I said oh I just never went that way because it said do not enter they're like the building doesn't exist anymore like they, the building's been rebuilt it's like from the 50s like that's why it doesn't matter and yeah, yeah. um and so and I always think about that metaphor because I think that there is a thing about transgression that when you transgress something and nothing happens and mm -hmm. so, you know, you transgress and there's no repercussion, then it really emboldens you to make more transgressions. And I will say that from that moment on, I went through all the doors. I mean, it was very, very early in my career. I was in grad school and there were all doors I could go through. It's not like I was actually transgressing anything, but I often no, think true, about that, that this person probably, he's been there 30 years. He probably was in five years, saw something, put it in his pocket. The other thing I think is worth noting is how the hell do you do it? It's because like they check your bag every night. But if it's small enough, you're putting See, it in your pocket. Yeah. They're not like, you know, like. They're not patting you down. And they're even in the bag. They're not like literally turning your bag yeah, inside yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, You know? Because so, they trust you. Do you think the culture of like the British Museum is going to change? Do you think no. that it's going to have too, ramifications too... in some way? I think. Um from my own experience that whenever you work in an institution and somebody's behaved poorly, mm -hmm. they make everyone pay for it for a yeah. while. Like, so when somebody got harassed, they, they everyone were slow to reaction. Yes. But the yeah. person, but the people or the individuals who, you know, hey. are the, are the more likely to be the ones to harass. They're it's like everyone, they don't, they don't want to identify those people. So they make everybody go through it. Yep. It's yep. humiliating. It's kind of redundant. It's things mm -hmm. that you would have learned if you're, you know, oh, if gosh. you did well in high uh, kindergarten, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's, and they usually, you know, it's not a big secret when it comes out who was harassing, who most likely not. they had gone multiple times to HR about it. And it was mm -hmm. only after a lawsuit happened and they had to pay did suddenly, but then again, it's, so I'm I'm assuming what they're going to do is just make everybody at Everyone's a certain level, pay. they're going to yeah. probably crack like, down on, yeah. 
Everyone who didn't Everyone. deserve it is going to pay. I do think also that Peter Higgs, they'll now are going to come out with like a whole smear campaign. He was bad to the set. They're going to come up with new bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like he's gonna he's gonna pay in like many ways for because he's he's wrecked their reputation. And I do mm-hmm. think like to me the final thing before we uh, get off is that I think that to me what's really sad is that he's gonna make the whole field pay. So for a while now, wow. a lot of people are gonna say, well, museum pros are just stealing stuff, and like you know, I think a lot of people they're gonna question them in a way that you know that that the trust of that field is gonna have problems for a while he's like wrecked yeah. it for everyone yeah just for fifty thousand pounds was it worth it for the millions of museum pros and collection it's objects crazy. that were out there it's crazy it's insane it, just, it it's seems so like a crazy. pittance in terms of like it is yeah it's such a pit it's it was foolish like a foolish foolish choice and just like what so you could go on an extra holiday or something not that either. Yeah, yeah like what is it? On holiday. I don't even I mean. know. Like, but like, what was he gonna? What did he do with it? He couldn't have done anything. It's just ridiculous. Just, it's ridiculous. I think, I think that's the thing that really gets me about it. Like, it just seems absolutely so absurd to be in an industry that's extraordinarily hard to break into to have a skill set that is like you know for all intents and purposes like a a niche skill. Like, you're in a comfy position. Like, you're never going to go anywhere. You've got a job for the rest of your life. What are you doing? Like, it, it's crazy. It's anyone crazy. else would, like, long for that kind of security. <laughs> I mean, I job. if I was the person who didn't get the job 30 years ago, you know, against him. Like, somebody applied oh, wow. to that job, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I was like, but think about the, the curator who didn't get their exhibition approved and Peter got the slot instead for his show. I'm to like, resend all your those pitches, gang. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> I don't even know. Anyway, so That's we usually cute. like to end these with media recommendations. And my media Ooh. recommendation is a book by Katie Hayes called The Cloisters. Um, and it is, wow. in fact, about the cloisters in New York and about mm-hmm. sort of about theft. It's not exactly. It's a very convoluted book. It's a mm-hmm. little far-fetched in my mind, but an enjoyable book. And it actually also talks about the hubris of curators. Well, fine. And so it's fictionalized. Um, they have some weird secret society. There there involves like growing hallucinogenics in the um, cloister's garden, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it really points out that she used to work at the Clark uh, in Massachusetts. So mm-hmm. that like museum pros know that museum pros can be real pills. I bet. Mm, bet they do you do. have a media recommendation? Yeah. Some little uh, behind the scenes stories. Mm. Um, my media recommendation, because I actually I went and saw some art this week. Uh, I went to the NGV, the Winter Masterpieces, yeah. or the Winter Masters. Oh, I they saw do the, the video NGV. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually would love to do an episode with you about uh, some of the stuff that I saw. Oh, and like, send, I think let's do it idea, next week. Yeah, like the fresh. idea of like artists curating other artists is, I think, oh. very interesting. Oh, I do too. They, they had this uh, interior designer slash architect come in. So I saw the, the Rembrandt exhibition, and I was going to say, look at some Rembrandt. Because I went and saw some of those etchings that are like teeny, 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 tiny. And they are just beautiful. Amazing, right? Absolutely beautiful. Um, but then the current NGV uh, Winter Master 
exhibition is Pierre Bernard. Oh my God, I love Bernard. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful artwork. But the installation, uh, okay, you know, let's, we're going to do our, our whole. Oh my God, we it, have to do an episode. We have to do an episode. I'm watching it on two. Curated <laughs> by a wallpaper designer. I, I'm uh, looking at it too. And... We gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk about this. Wow. I got some interiors. Yes. It's... Wow. Do we have to talk about it? Okay. So your media <laughs> recommendation is next week's episode. Oh my God. Isn't it? Isn't it wow. so? Isn't it? Oh, like, we gotta talk, talk, talk about hubris. Oh my gosh. Do we have to talk? All right. I had that a is the episode would, for next week. I had a feeling week. that would set your wheels turning because like, what the fuck? Let's do it. Let's do it. We could also talk about the yeah, we could talk. We'll text each other. Okay. Oh my god. So, All right. Thank you for listening to the Artlust podcast. You already yes. know what next week's episode is going to be. I'm Seema and Yay. you can find me at Artlust. A R T L U S T. And I'm Sophie. You can find me at Darkroom Varmint, Darkroom V A R M I N T and I guess on Instagram, Sophie Chalk Studio. Uh and yeah, I would say go look at some Rembrandt, go look at some Bernard in preparation for next week's episode. Because, or email us. Oh my god. Artlustpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Because <laughs> seriously, what the fuck? Yeah, we gotta talk about that next week. But, uh, but like, her chairs, like her chair designs. Oh my like, god, I you kept it pictures. everywhere. I'm gonna it's do fucking it. crazy. Uh, it's fucking all right. so bad. It's wild. Ah, thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>